For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast, part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. I'm your host, Brenda Hedke, and today I'm joined by Logan Alton, also of A Wolf Among Wolves. How's it going, Logan? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, so first off, I just want to ask, how are you feeling about uh, Thursday night and everything that happened, you know, finally winning the draft lottery and moving up? So what are your initial thoughts on that? I, I was surprised and stoked. I mean... A lot of people are down that like, oh, of course, this is the draft that we win it on. But right. like, we still won it and it's still something. Yeah, it's still, no matter what year it is, a number one overall pick is still something you really want to want to have. And the Wolves have, and I think that's important. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting, I think, to see like how creative Gerson Rosas gets with it. Because, I mean, I know it was like kind of a cliche answer in his press conference, but basically saying... You know, nothing's off the table, but with Gerson, I really feel like nothing is off the table. He could trade it, he could select someone, he could trade back. There's a lot of options for it. But, um, so let's just, let's go, let's start, assume the Wolves just keep it and Mm -hmm. we're selecting someone. Who are you wanting at number one there? Yeah, so, um, I would probably get LaMelo. I think he's one of one. And he's easily the best player in this draft. Okay. And I, I, I figured that was your answer. We've kind of talked about this in the past and, you know, off off the podcast and everything, too. I know you you like LaMelo. And I think LaMelo probably will end up being the best player in this class. He has the highest upside, I think. And he has the most, um, you know, NBA-ready skill with his playmaking and everything. If it was me, I would personally go with um, with Anthony Edwards just for a fit reason more than um uh talent wise and i think and it's not that i think that um we wouldn't run like lamello and delo next to each other i don't think that the timberwolves are really afraid of running two point guards next to each other i think it's more of the fact that um like is lamello the second point guard you want next to delo another presumably bad defender and not that Anthony Edwards is a great defender by any means either, but I feel like he might have some more physical tools to um, put up a better fight defensively than LaMelo does. But what 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 do you imagine, if the Timberwolves do have LaMelo ball on this team, what do you imagine rotations look like? Like how much time do you think him and uh, D'Lo share the floor together? How much do you think LaMelo runs with the second unit? What, what do you kind of envision if it's a LaMelo ball in a Timberwolves jersey in 2020? I would imagine that... Um... He actually is a starting shooting guard, okay. and um, I'd, I'd probably play D'Lo on him as little as possible, but still probably about 10, 15 minutes a game, and then have one out there at least at all times. Right, okay, and I could, and I think that's where I would be at if we had LaMelo Ball too, probably to the point where you pretty much have one of him or D'Lo on the floor basically at all times, and then they share the floor for like you said, 10, 12, 15 minutes, something like that, to where they're not operating 
completely together, but they're still um, do have that chance to work together. Because we saw in a short amount of time last season how good D'Lo and Jordan McLaughlin played. So I think D'Lo really can play well next to another point guard. So I don't think LaMelo Ball is like an, a really bad fit on this team. Um, but I just, I worry some about um, him wanting to be here too, I think. And I know it's weird for a rookie to sound really picky about where they go, but he has like the superstar status about him and he's like one of the most famous draft prospects to ever happen. So like you kind of get that feeling that he's more of like a, a Lakers or a New York Knicks or yeah. something, one of those big market type of Showtime teams. As Jack Borman mm-hmm. always says, he, he talks to me and he says that LaMelo is a Showtime. So he's like a perfect fit to be in New York, which I kind of agree with, but um, again, he's only 19 years old and really he doesn't get a choice where he goes. So I don't, I don't think that's a big problem, but it could be, it definitely could be something. He could be looking to get out of here as soon as his first contract's up too. So, yeah. And one thing with LaMelo, um, so I think John Krasinski was the one that said this, but we're, we'll be drafting BPA the uh-huh. best player available regardless of positions and everything. Yep. And one of the things is probably about resale value. Yeah. And I'd imagine that like Lomelo has the highest brand power of any prospect. Mm-hmm. And he for sure even does. Even if he struggles out of the gate. Yeah. His resale value is probably going to be the highest. I would agree with that too. And then uh, Wiseman and all those guys. And that's basically what Gerson Rosa said too in his press conference was like, we're going to take talent and we're going to make it work. However, we need to make it work. And I, Gerson Rosa says if he drafts LaMelo Ball and it's just not working out, I don't think he's going to be afraid to trade him in his first or second year in the league if things aren't going as planned. You know, I don't think Gerson Rosas doesn't seem married to pretty much anybody except for Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, but in some facets, I think he could end up trading like D'Angelo Russell if the right opportunity arises too. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of on LaMelo that's my thoughts and then what about Anthony Edwards are you are you down on Edwards you don't think he we should consider him what are your thoughts there so personally I am out on Edwards I I would rather get Wiseman than him but um that's just because as many people I'm kind of scared of those Wiggins vibes yeah and it's some people say it's a cop-out but um I'm on the decision making yeah and I'm on the team that would probably say the Wiggins comparison is kind of a cop-out answer I think you watch their games and I don't think they play that much alike but I understand to the point where the Wiggins comp whereas like he's this athletic he has all these tools and like is he going to use them I get that point of it but Mm -hmm. I'm if you focus on play style I'm kind of in the bin that doesn't think the two really play that much alike but I I understand the concerns to a point too. Um, but my thing with Anthony Edwards is like he just has that NBA ready body that I I don't think many rookies come in with a body built like that to play in the NBA. And mm-hmm. again, it's like a resale value thing too where he could he could very well end up being the best player in this draft and even if he doesn't fit on this team very well 2 years down the line if he's looking like he could be a potential all-star um Gerson Rosas can use that to his ability and trade for an actual all-star, somebody that can put the Timberwolves over the top. So that's kind of where I'm at with Edwards. But I'm going to be completely honest. I don't feel super great about anybody at number one. I feel very kind of meh about who we would take. But still, like we said before, the number one overall draft pick is still the number one overall draft pick. And it's important that we acknowledge like how big it is that the Timberwolves got that because at the end of the day that's a trade piece that's that's a good asset coming in whether you use it as you're drafting someone you're trading back in the draft and getting more assets or you're trading for a better solidified player that's the best asset you can have in the draft I mean number one you want to always have number one overall pick because that opens so many doors um but so that's like Kind of the main thing you brought some questions i want to go into those right away um you had yep. some questions you want to talk about so let's do that first off before we get too far into anything else because i think those are good questions to answer actually uh before we switch over to that i had a 
question about how we would draft real quick. Okay. How would you say the team went about drafting Culver? Like best player available, highest resale value need? How do I think the Timberwolves went about that? Yeah. Um, I really think they went best player available. I think that their thought process was, um, I'm of the boat where I thought they were trying to get Garland because they thought Garland was the best player available. And then Garland just got taken at five and he wasn't there at six. So I think that they thought Culver was best player available. And I think they also thought that he fit um, decently well as like a secondary ball handler. Um, So maybe it was partially fit, but I think probably best player available. But now you go back and you look and there were better players probably available in hindsight. Um, But I'm still really in on Culver and I'm, higher on Culver than a lot of people. I know you're higher than on Culver than a lot of people are too because I'm nowhere near ready to give up on him. So, But I think Rosas has the the best player available mindset, so I would say that's what he thought with Culver too. Okay, yeah. I'm in the same boat. Um, and coming out of college, he is probably like the Chris Dunn type where he was the most complete prospect Yeah. and like best prospect when yep. we picked him. Mm-hmm. I agree with All that. Right. But, yeah, let's get into these a couple of these questions you had thought up, too. Okay. So I didn't tell you this one first. I, I gave you a, a hint of a few of these about 10 minutes ago to think about them. But uh, if the Wolves keep the first, this will be the seventh player that's been a first overall pick that's played for the Wolves. Yep. Who are the past six? Who are the other ones? Yep. So Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, Carl Anthony Towns are the three obvious ones because they're the most recent. And then, um, so there's two or three more. Three more. Oh, wow. One of them played with Cat Wiggins. Cat and Wiggins. One of them played with, oh, Derek Rose? Yep. Yep. And then um, that one's pretty obvious, too. I just kind of forget, like, t- to me, like, there's two versions of Derek Rose. There's, like, Chicago Bulls Derek Rose, and then there's Derek Rose after that. And, like, I sometimes forget that they're not or that they are the same person um okay so then two more dark i uh, know darko went second um who would the other two be i'm guessing they're older like probably kg era or something yeah one of them cost us a ton of first a ton of first oh wow i have no idea um yeah, I don't know. Who are they? I uh, feel like I should know one. Okay, Joe Smith. I should have known that one. I and was just Olo quizzed Candy. about that a while ago. Oh, I didn't know Olo Candy was the first overall pick. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. And so in 31 years, we've had seven first overall picks play with us. I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> it wor- it's working out with Kat so far, so that's good. But... All right, yeah. what, what's your first uh, other first question then? Okay, so um, who's your favorite potential, or what's your favorite potential trade back trade? So I said this, I think it was like August 17th or 18th, so like two, three days before the draft. Hmm. Um, I could find the tweet quick because I kind of called something that I was kind of happy about because I think we could make something work somehow. But um, I said... Basically, I said, so say the Knicks or Pistons get screwed in the draft lottery, end up with, like, picks seven or eight, and the Wolves get lucky with one. Um, And we end up getting lucky with one, and the Pistons got seven, and the Knicks got eight. And I think that's an interesting um, discussion because the Knicks are hungry for talent really bad. They're probably bottom three in talent. I think it's, like, Pistons, Knicks, and, like, Hornets probably have the least amount of talent in the league. So... There's, I think you could look at that as a way to trade back into, um, to trade back into next year's first round, whether it be mm-hmm. the Knicks have the Dallas pick, which I don't like too much because that's going to be like mid twenties probably because Dallas is probably only going to get better, um, and then the other pick would be like the Knicks pick or with the Pistons, get the Pistons pick, and those are presumably like lottery selections. Um, and I don't know what like the the situation around that would be, um, but those is those are probably my favorite. And then I saw somebody else had mentioned the Hornets, 
um, thinking the Hornets wanted to jump ahead of the Warriors so they can take Wiseman because they're scared that uh, Golden State would take Wiseman, which I think is a possibility too because both of those teams could use like a big rim-rolling athletic center, rim protection and everything. So I like that one. Um, and then think of like getting like P.J. Washington out of that deal or something we trade back to because they have three or whatever and that would be that was something travis lalchek brought up too but um what do you think of so first off let me what do you think of those like that nick or pistons like trading back to seven or eight because then you can get somebody like a like a devin vassell or um you know some of those players that maybe have a better fit on the wolves than um you know like ball or edwards do yeah, um, I think you brought that up in our group chat for a Wolf Among Wolves, and yeah. I rained down your parade a little bit by saying uh, the odds of the protections being in the for the 2021st right. pick would be uh, to where it wouldn't be worth it, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming both New York and Detroit would for, fight for a top five, top eight protection. Yeah, and I, um, I, I would agree with that probably, too. Um, depending so, on what assets you throw with them, though, you I mean, the Wolves might you know throw something there to keep them from doing that like giving them culver or giving them you know some player that has a little bit of value to try and try and keep that protection off of there um Mm -hmm. because i think it would be nice to get back in the first round uh in some capacity in some capacity even if it is just the dallas pick and you get you know 20 or 24 or whatever next year's draft is very solid so i think just having a first round selection somewhere would be would be nice um, and speaking of the Dallas pick, that'd be my ideal target if I was trading with New York. Okay. The West will be a gauntlet next yeah, year. Yeah, and, and everyone knows that. Very possible that Dallas still is like a seven seed next year because you you think about all the teams that could be better. You could still have Golden State's going to be back, and they could probably be better than Dallas. Both LA teams could be better. Houston could easily be better. Portland could be better i mean you never know and there's still a bunch of other teams like utah denver all those teams could feasibly still be better than dallas and dallas could still end up at six seven or eight in the west and then you have a then you have a 15 16 17 pick something like that like we have with brooklyn this year um not only that but porzingis is a, such an injury risk that like yeah if he takes a hit and misses significant time now yeah. we're talking about a lottery pick for sure, and and that picks unprotected too, so we uh-huh. could get lucky. And we could we could get lucky to the point where like, you know, the West is so stacked next year, and if the the Wolves somehow don't end up in the, you know, they end up with like the tenth or eleventh seed or something, which sounds disappointing, but like when we you put it in perspective how good the West will be next year, tenth mm-hmm. or eleventh, you're not like, oh, we need to blow it up or anything, and then somehow you have the ninth best odds and if you jump into the top three you get that warriors pick or that wolves pick from the warriors back because it's protected i don't yep. think that'll happen but there's always that chance too and that would i mean that would be crazy but um but what are your thoughts on that uh, hornets hornets trade that i brought up you know trying to trade back so the hornets can for sure get wise men <clears throat> yeah um i i don't think pj washington would be available unless we maybe added culver but, um, right, and we'd maybe need to trade 17 or something there. You know, something like that, too. But right. you'd still be getting the third overall pick plus a player that you want at three because, like, I don't know. It's a thought. But then you also have the point of if Golden State does take Wiseman, the Hornets could take Okongwu and, yeah. you know, have him. Or... Or maybe Golden State takes Okongwu and then Wiseman falls into the Hornets' lap because I think Okongwu fits the Warriors a little bit to the point that he's a little bit faster, more agile type of player. Um, mm-hmm. But that's an interesting conversation. But uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But yeah, again, what you don't think Washington would be available just for um, one? And I agree with that. We would probably need to throw something in there. Yeah, um, but. I like the bones of it, at least. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of the I come up with a lot of these like situational trade ideas, and it's just hard to value things in the NBA. So I come to the point where it's like, this is my main structure, and then you got to fill in assets one side or the other because I'm not as good at like thinking like how good teams value certain players and certain picks and stuff. Um, but yeah, it, 
a lot of these trades you there's like solid building blocks of a trade and then you just kind of figure out around that what what would work and what wouldn't yeah all right but next question what's your potential uh trade for a star all right so i've been trying to come up with one and it's so tough um i need to go ahead i need to find something so i i was talking to jack borman about this a lot and actually last night we were talking about stuff um but so Jack and I were basically talking about how, you know, Devin Booker is probably pretty unavailable at this point just because of how good Phoenix um, did and the Wolves lacking assets. Obviously, pick number one helps versus having like pick number six. Um, but Jack came up with a three-team trade that I think is probably the most likely option if, you know, something does uh, happen. And it was, I got to find it here. Actually, it was a four-team trade, excuse me. So those listening, it's going to be hard to follow along with. But basically, it was the Wolves come out of this trade with Devin Booker, and that's the only player they bring in, only pick they bring in. And then the 76ers come out with this, with Chris Paul, um, a 2022 second-round pick, which I don't know what team that's from, presumably Minnesota, I think, a tw- our number one overall pick, and then another 2020 round two, which I'm guessing is... I don't know. It doesn't say on here. And then Malik Beasley to the 76ers. The Thunder end up with Horford, Culver, a 2022 pick from Philadelphia or Denver because they have a pick swap there. And then a 2023 first from us. And then Juancho Hernan Gomez. And then the Suns get Ben Simmons, Furkan Korkmaz, and Terrence Ferguson. So it's a lot of moving parts. And it was probably really hard to pay attention. If you guys want to see it, it's on Jack Borman's Twitter at JRBorman13. But basically, the big pieces are Booker to the Wolves, Chris Paul and Beasley to the 76ers, plus some picks. Horford and Culver and Hernan Gomez to the Thunder, plus some picks. And then Ben Simmons, Korkmaz, and Ferguson to the Suns. So in this aspect... The Suns get a star player, same quality player as Devin Booker. I would put I would put Booker and Simmons in about the same tier. Um, the Timberwolves obviously get Devin Booker, who is people are coveting for the Wolves. Uh, the Thunder get Horford and Culver and Hernan Gomez. So basically, you get Horford um, and just kind of wait until his contract's up, I guess, which is kind of hard for them. But they're getting they're getting picks out of it. They're getting a young player in Culver, and they're getting Hernan Gomez, who's on a team-friendly deal i mean he'll probably make about six million dollars in restricted free agency and then the 76ers get malik beasley to add some shooting around joel Embiid, and they get a point guard who regardless of age is still one of the top point guards in the league and has led a thunder team to a really good record and a playoff berth um so that's kind of one that i think would would be interesting uh Otherwise, I like the Simmons. I like trading for Simmons. I just don't know um, how you make that trade work. Um, there's another one. It was basically like we trade for Ben. We get Simmons. Sixers get, again, Chris Paul and Beasley. And then the Thunder get like Horford, Culver, Hernan Gomez. So basically you just take Devin Booker out of the equation. Um, yeah. What, what What do you think? What do, What's your like preferred trade for a star? Oh, I'm definitely taking Ben Simmons. And the Chris Paul thing probably works. Um, but I cheated and just wrote in my notes saying kitchen sink for Ben Simmons. Yeah. I, um. <laughs> I would give up a lot for Ben Simmons. I think he really elevates the team, um, both offensively and defensively. He quite possibly could be the best defender in the NBA. When you talk about versatility, guarding one through five with ease, he has a six foot 10 frame. Um, really the only thing he lacks for the Timberwolves is his shooting, um, which I still think could come. I, you see him do it every now and then, and I think it could come eventually, but even if it doesn't, I think he's fully worth it. When you think of his passing ability, his defense, everything just... And he, not, he's friends with Cat and D'Lo. He, he's not Devin Booker, but he is... There's pictures of those three together, or all four of those guys together. So I do like mm-hmm. Ben Simmons for the Wolves. And I think he would be more available than uh, Devin Booker at this time, because Philly's been doing this for years hasn't been working out they've they've had regular season success um but with with joel and ben it just hasn't worked out and i think it might be time for them to blow it up 
Yeah. Um, so what are the odds that the Wolves keep the pick? What what odds would you give them? Keep number one, that is. Um, I'll tell you this. The odds for them keeping both first-round picks, I would put at about 20%. And mm-hmm. the odds for keeping number one, I would put at like 40%. I really don't think we will. I think we're going to trade back. Um, but I don't think we're going to trade back just for the sake of trading back. And that's why I give it, you know, a 40% chance that we keep it because Kirsten Rosas isn't going to, he knows what the pick is worth and he knows what he's going to want for the pick. So he's not just going to give it up for nothing. Um, But I feel like there will be a deal to present themselves. You know, maybe this is like a sleeper team, but like Cleveland keeps getting like pick number five. Does Cleveland want to trade up and give you a little something to move up to one and take Edwards or Ball or Wiseman or whoever because they could feasibly use all those players. I know they're stacked at the point guard position, but like Lamella Ball is a totally different point guard. Lamella Ball is a totally different point guard than Garland and Sexton. Way just different build, more of a pass guy than a than a offensive scoring type of player. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely that's a that's a team too. I definitely do one in seventeen for five and Sexton. Yeah, or what if it was five and Garland? Would you take five and Garland instead of Sexton if you had to give up one in seventeen? I I would have to think about that. I, I probably would still do it, but yeah, I'm not as on that one. I would do it for Sexton for sure. I'm not sure if I would do it on Garland. Obviously, we're we're assuming that Rosas wanted Garland last year, anyways, um, but. Now with Russell, who knows if he really wants Garland there. But I think it's an interesting discussion nonetheless. Um, yeah, uh, what do you? What, what are your odds that we keep the number one pick? Uh, I, w- I would say 50-50. Um, okay, and that's about where I was at. Yeah, 40-50, yeah. Trade or uh, trading back or trading for someone specifically. But, um, and then... Keeping both, I I would also lean towards about a, a safe twenty percent or so, just because. Yep. Real sauce is crazy and trade happy. So, what do you think the odds are that we trade both picks? Both of them are gone. We don't have. It, it could be we could still have a first round pick. Theoretically, we could have like eight or something and a pick next year. But like we won't. What are the odds we don't pick either at number one or at number seventeen? I I would give it ten. Yeah, I would give it ten percent too. I think we make one of those selections. Which which pick do you think is more likely to be made, seventeen or one? I think it's seventeen. I think it's one. You think one would be more likely? Yeah, it's so yeah. We- it's just so weird. First off, I'm not used to having two like decent first round picks. Usually, if we have two, it's like you know a lottery selection and maybe like where we got Josh Kogi at twenty. Maybe we have like a pick like that in the draft that we have a lottery pick but we don't usually have two like i mean 17 is basically a lottery you're three spots out of the lottery yep. um, and you can and i think in this draft you can get a lottery talent player at 17 because that honestly that like 6 to 20 range is so weird there's so many different options in between there so yeah um i will say that i think if we do keep the picks there's a good chance that 17 has a better rookie season than one. I could, I could, I could 100% agree with that. And partially, I think that comes down to the fact of fit. If you take one, you're you're picking someone that probably doesn't fit as well as you are with somebody at 17. And um, sometimes you pick that number one player because they are, they have the star potential, or just like higher potential. And you're picking at 17 more for someone that's like, um, maybe not potential but just like who they are already like Devin Vassell yeah. we know who Devin Vassell is I mean he won't be at 17 but a player like that you know um yeah. that's already kind of solidified in their role and know who they are um so I could definitely see I could definitely agree with you on that one but there's also a chance that number one just comes in and has a John Morant not John Morant but you know the player that comes in and is that good and they have like a star potential but they already are like a borderline star in the rookie season too mm-hmm. um but yeah i it's just so weird uh just thinking about like all the options that the wolves have 
trading back, um, trading for a player, trading for, or I mean, picking at number one. Is there anybody you would take at number one that um, isn't per se a top three, you know, one of those top three guys? It's not Ball, Edwards, or Wiseman, basically. Is there somebody you would feel comfortable taking at one, or would you want to trade down if you're not picking any of those players? I mean, Denny is probably who I'd be most comfortable with. Right. But he, like, that makes me want to think of the um, Sixers Celtics trade a few years back where Tatum was their guy, and they knew he wasn't a top two guy. So they took him and three. They it back right. And, and that's but, kind of the boat I'm in, too. It's like people that are trading up aren't going to trade up to take Denny. So if you – Chicago, I don't think Chicago would trade up. I think they're happy with having pick number four. But maybe they would. Maybe they would trade up. I don't know. They have a new general manager. You know, you don't know anything about the guy or anything of what his mindset is. But, like, Cleveland or whoever, could you get, like, uh, someone that fits better, like a Denny, a Killian Hayes, a um, – Devin Vassell, like any of those players, you trade back, and that's who you want anyways, and now you get some assets for it, like the Jason Tatum trade, which worked out really well for Boston. They made out in that trade really well. Um, But part of me would be comfortable taking someone at one if I really liked them, if I really thought they were the player. um, That... I would probably be comfortable with it, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Rosas. I think Rosas knows the value of things and what he can get for something, and he would be able to mm-hmm. um, make something work. Do you think we give Rosas too much credit, or do you think he... You know, because people, people put their trust in Rosas, and I do too. I'm fully on board with Rosas, um, and he's made some good moves, um, and not really any... I wouldn't say he really made any bad moves, unless some people would argue the Culver pick and the trade-up and everything was a bad move, but... Um, I n- I personally wouldn't say that, but uh, do you think he's gotten too much credit for not really doing um a whole lot? You know, you know what I'm saying. Like he got D'Lo, he did all that, but um, it's still only been one season, and people are fully trusting him. Do you think that he gets a little bit too much credit where it's not due? Well, I'm probably not the guy to ask. If you go through every single Wolves thing I've written on Wolf Among Wolves and on Dunkin' with Wolves, I probably give Wolf or uh, Gerson Rosas praise in just about every other article I write. Uh huh. And at least two or three paragraphs of it. Um. <laughs> so. I agree. I I don't think we give him too much credit. I'm giving him 100% credit, 100% faith until he does something that. Um, isn't good. And maybe that's a factor of dealing with the David Kahn and Tom Thibodeau era for years and just having bad draft picks, um, bad trades, you know, just all sorts of hell that the Timberwolves fans have been put through. But I fully trust Rosas, and I, I'm going to give him the credit, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he proves me wrong, because he hasn't really proved me wrong yet. Um, I, I can't find a move that he's made that I hate. Um, at all like not that i hate i there's something i might not have agreed with completely um but i yeah i can't find one that i hate i go back and forth on the roco deal yeah i I get it i do but that that potentially netted us i mean that that netted us that nets pick which could turn into patrick williams or Sadiq Bear, whoever you get at 17. And that could mm-hmm. be the determining factor in a trade for Ben Simmons or Devin Booker or whoever. I think, you know, it's that one is the only one I'm kind of um, up in the air about. But I like the return with Beasley and, you know, Hernan Gomez and Jared Vanderbilt because I'm still fully in on Jared Vanderbilt. I think Jared Vanderbilt could develop and be the starting power forward for this team. Maybe not this year, but you know, a year or two down the line. I think his skill set is so unique and so interesting that if he develops it, you know, you're talking about like a a light version of Pascal Siakam, which is theoretically the perfect player next to Cat. Obviously, Vanderbilt would 
need to up his shooting if he wants to be Pascal Siakam, and he needs to do a lot of things, but he's in that frame. Um, but yeah, I get it, because I loved Rocco. He's, when Rocco came to the team, uh, his first two games, you know, he starts like, you watch him on the court, and he's just hyping the crowd up already. He doesn't even know these pl- these fans, these players that he's playing mm-hmm. with. And he just brought this energy that, like, has been unmatched for the Wolves since, like, Kevin Garnett was here. Like, I love Rocco. I was sad to see him go. Um, but I understand. I understood the move for sure. Yeah. One one thing that doesn't get talked about enough with that, though, is uh, Rocco was making about 10 mil over the next two or three years. Yep. He's got a very and, good uh, contract. Beasley's about to probably surpass that by himself. And then you add Wancho Zeal. And then you add 17 as well. And right. that's three players that, like, combine to be as useful as Rocco, potentially. Yeah. And Maybe I get twice that. Twice as much. I would have liked... I just didn't love Rocco at the power forward position. And I think Rosas figured out that it wasn't working there. Um, and I think that's yeah. probably why he traded him away. And he knew that Rocco's value was the highest at that trade deadline. Because after that then it's only two years left on his deal. He's getting older, you know, like we could see some regression from Robert Covington too. And I think it was more timeline fit asset value was at its peak. Um, So, and, and I can't grade it yet because we haven't seen enough of Beasley. We haven't seen enough of Hernan Gomez. We haven't seen what happens with the pick. Um, But that's the one I'm probably the most on the fence about too just because of my love okay. for Robert Covington. And a lot of Wolves fans love Robert Covington. He was, you know, nobody wanted to see Robert Covington go. So, um, so um, we mentioned this a little bit ago. I think you did, actually. Um, but Melo, or LaMelo Ball, yep. um, is one of the, like, biggest, like, superstar hype guys yep. in the sense that, like, everybody knows who he is. He's not the best prospect since whomever but like he's one of the most popular ones yep since nobody cares about cat on a national media level do you think if we drafted mellow that he would have the highest brand power of everyone on our team yeah it's so weird because well i was listening to the dane moore nba podcast have you listened to his podcast about this because they kind of brought that up too uh, um basically no, I, I think, yeah. dane was i don't remember if it was dane but wildeberg was on there too and one of them, I think it might have been Will, asked, basically, do you think that Cat would feel, like, screwed over if we got LaMelo just because LaMelo's star talent is so big and he would be the face of the franchise, not not as a franchise fan or standpoint, but, like, as fans watching the team, they're like, LaMelo Ball's on that team. That's why we need to watch the Wolves. Not for Cat, not for D'Lo, for LaMelo Ball. And it would it's it's interesting because obviously Cat has a certain ego too, um, and Cat knows he's the best player on this team, and he would know that he's better than Lamelo Ball too. So it's interesting because yeah, like you said, it's. I think Cat would, Cat would welcome. Lamelo at least right away because I think Cat's just excited for this season, just in the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, he's got his best friend there. They're gonna finally play more than one game together. He's got a first overall pick coming in, or a, you know, and it would be Lamelo if in this hypothetical situation. And I think Cat would just be happy to play basketball. He missed so much time last year; the season was cut short on top of him being injured. Um, I think Cat next year is just going to be ready to play and just have fun playing. But a couple years down the line, yeah, I could see a problem with it. I really could. But you know, having D'Lo, uh, I think having D'Lo on the team helps. If D'Lo wasn't here, and the Wolves drafted Melo, and it was Melo and Cat as like the star duo, and Lamelo was getting all that hype, and Cat just didn't have D'Angelo Russell here, I think that would kind of make Cat want to get out because he doesn't really have anything to play for as a Timberwolf. You know, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. What What do you think? You think it would be a problem having Lamelo star star status in Minnesota? Um, I, I think it'd be a larger problem for Melo than anybody else. Or Lamel Ball, I should say. Um, and why just is that? in the sense that, like, nobody cares about Minnesota. Uh-huh. But 
Um, I, I doubt Cat would care, and Russell probably wouldn't care either unless they start saying that he's the best point guard on the roster, mm-hmm. which is plausible. But, yeah. um, and also, to the point, like, probably not next year, um, but LaMelo could potentially end up being better than D'Angelo Russell and actually being the better point guard on the roster. I'm not saying, like, this yeah. year, next year, whatever, but, you know, a few years down the line, that totally could happen. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, to your point about it being Minnesota, though, people might not care, but still, like, that it's Minnesota or whatever, but still, that star power, they're going to follow him wherever they go. They did it with Zion. Zion was, like, top 15 in jersey sales for this NBA season, and he's in New Orleans. Not a big market either, you know? Um, John Morant. People love Memphis now because John Morant's there. Um, would it be more if those guys were in New York or LA or Chicago or one of those, you know, mid or the one of those major markets? Yes. Um, but wherever Lamelo Ball goes, there's a big fan base coming with him, just because he is so popular. But yeah, I don't think he's on that Zion status, but I do agree with. I don't think he's that on that he Zion status. Right. I don't think he's on like a Zion level status for like, um, like people know that Lamelo's not as good as Zion. They know that, but I think he's more popular. And Zion was one of the most popular um, players since LeBron James because of his highlight dunks and all this stuff. But really, like, I think Lamelo has more of like a star personality too because Lamelo's like a Zion is popular because of what he did on the basketball court Lamelo's popular because of like this Instagram culture where he's like this cool kid he's very like vocal he has his own TV show you know they his dad's so vocal he started a basketball league for his kids to play and he moved him to Lithuania then he went to Australia like he has his own shoe there's just so much with Lamelo that I think gives him a little bit more, like, fame than Zion. Off-the-court yeah. stuff, you know? Um, but, yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's, it's all interesting. And, there, you know, we can't really speculate on what the Wolves do until we see um, we see what Rosas does with the pick, you know? Um, I wish I had a clear answer for what I really think will happen and, like, what trade would be made. Um what do you think the most likely trade back scenario would be? We talked about our favorites. What do you think the most likely one would be? I, I think it's New York. I think it'd be one for uh, and the Dallas first as the framework. I would hope to get at least like Mitchell Robinson out of it, but mm-hmm. something along with and the Dallas first. Yeah, and I think that's the most likely too. One, because, um, I mean... I don't know about Leon Rose. I think he's probably not as dumb as like past general managers that the Knicks have had. Um, but also, Leon Rose is going to be looking to make his mark on New York and kind of solidify himself as someone who brought a star to New York. And time to face the facts, like that eighth pick isn't getting you a star. You're not building your team around whoever you get at eight. Um, but you could potentially build your team around LaMelo Ball, number one. So I think that's probably the most likely. Do you think there's like a... Um, now we're kind of getting away from the Timberwolves in a sense, but they could possibly trade with them. But do you think there's a, a team that's kind of a dark horse for moving up? Someone that you're like... You would never think like this team's moving up. Um, but they possibly could. Because I think there's some teams. So let's just go... Let let's look at the... Let's look at the draft order quick. Because we have... So it's Minnesota at one, Golden State... At number two, then we got Chicago or uh, Charlotte at three, Chicago at four, Cleveland at five, Atlanta's at six, Detroit's at seven, New York's at eight, Washington's at nine, Phoenix is at ten, San Antonio's at eleven, Sacramento's at twelve, New Orleans thirteen, and then Boston is at fourteen. Do you see any of those is teams? Specifically for number one, it could be number one or just like a top three pick, I should say. You know, not necessarily trading with the Timberwolves, um, but like a top some top three pick probably. Moving up significantly. 
I would uh I wouldn't be shocked if uh, uh Boston moved up and tried to get either Wiseman or Congo. Yeah, that's someone that I was thinking of too. Boston, so they have pick uh fourteen and they also have their own pick, which is twenty six, and then they have Milwaukee's pick, which is thirty. So they have three first round picks to work with. Um do I think that fourteen, twenty six, and thirty by itself gets you into the top three to get Wiseman? No. I really don't think that's gonna gonna do anything for them they'll have to throw some other stuff in there but i could definitely see boston moving up because they need a center i would say is their biggest need and mm-hmm. is their center worth them taking at 14 no like theoretically they would want Wiseman or okongwu so i could see that a team i was thinking of that's kind of like under the radar in a point where like you wouldn't think of them to trade up um, would be like Washington. I could see Washington wanting to trade up from nine, and I don't know what they would give up for it, but um, I know they like Thomas Bryant, uh, but if they could trade up to three or four or two or whatever and get um, and get like a Wiseman or an Okongwu or an Obi Toppin, I could see them trading up to four, getting Obi Toppin. I'm not a big Obi Toppin guy, but I know they have Rui Hachimura, but they're, they're starved for talent outside of Bradley Beal and John Wall pretty much too. So I could see them trading up um, Phoenix, maybe. I don't know what Phoenix would want. They kind of have... I feel like they have players in every spot except for the point guard, and I think they'd be okay waiting till 10 to pick a... I don't know who would be at 10 for a point guard. A Cole Anthony. Um, they feel like a Maxi team to me. Yeah, Tyrese Maxi, someone like that. Um, I mean, they have Ricky Rubio for, I think, two more seasons still or whatever, but um, I could see them doing something. Uh, San Antonio's interesting. Uh, they're in a weird spot. They have talent, but they have old talent, and then they have a couple nice young pieces. You know, they have Dejounte Murray, who I I love. Dejounte Murray. They have uh, Derek White, Bryn Forbes, but like Demar and Lamarcus are older, and could they trade Lamarcus or or Demar and try and move up a little bit and get like a young player from someone else that needs like a wing? Could they trade? somehow trade DeMar to, I mean, this team doesn't have, I guess this team doesn't have a top pick, but I was thinking like, um, trade DeMar to, um, Portland for like Portland's pick and then take their pick and Portland's pick and then trade up with those two picks and try and get like into the top five to select someone or something. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of teams there. Um, what do you think about, Golden State at two. Do you think they really want to pick Wiseman or Kongwa at two, or do you think that they would want to trade out? Because um, theoretically, Wiseman or Kongwa fits their team really good. But yeah, I, I'm mixed about Golden State. Um, I know, like I've seen tons of reports saying that uh, everybody and their mom is trying to trade down or trade out the top half of the lot or yep. draft. So. If everybody is trade trying to trade out one, that would hamper Minnesota's ability to trade one, and yeah. two would also hamper Golden State's ability to trade two, because there's a lot of supply and minimal demand. Uh huh. Um, and then if Golden State's trying to trade for a star, Minnesota might also be trying to target said star with one and stuff. So there's a chance that you know. Um, Maybe Golden State just has to sit on two and hope that like Wiseman um, or whomever they pick shows out in their rookie year to where they could trade for a star after the fact. But right, yeah, no, I don't think that they're able to right away. So yeah, I get that. I do. Um, but this is an interesting scenario. Um, and it was brought to me by someone. I'm not going to name them because I don't know how confident they feel in this and if they want their name put out, um, whatever. Maybe they don't care. I don't know. Um, but basically they said uh, this is a trade that involves the Warriors' number two overall pick and the Wolves' number one overall pick and then the New York Knicks. Basically it would be um, New York's getting the first overall pick from Minnesota. Uh, mm-hmm. Then the Warriors would get pick eight from the Knicks pick 17 from us 
and Mitchell Robinson. So now the Warriors have Mitchell Robinson as their center. They have pick eight and pick 17. And then we would receive pick two from Golden State. And then our 2021 pick next year back from Golden State. So the one we traded to get D'Angelo Russell. And yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see a world where all three teams do that. You think about the Knicks. Yes, they're losing Mitchell Robinson. But like a Mitchell Robinson type player, you can find someone to fill that role, I think, on a Knicks team. If you really want LaMelo Ball, you can find somebody to play center for you. Centers are, this is, you've talked about this before too. Like there's so many centers and centers fall in drafts, not because they're not good, just because there's not a high demand for centers in the league. Um, mm-hmm. The Warriors would love Mitchell Robinson. He'd fit their system well. And then they'd get yeah. pick eight and 17, which theoretically the Warriors aren't in a rebuild. They just add some talented pieces to get them to another championship level. So they, they get eight and 17. They take Vassal to play wing defense for them. And they take someone at 17, Sadiq Bay, Patrick Williams, whoever's there. And then for the Wolves, we only move down one pick and we give up 17 and we get our pick back next year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Um, I could see the Warriors doing this trade and I could see the Timberwolves doing this trade 100%. I'm iffy on if New York would actually do this trade. Um, but I'd be, yeah, I'd be willing to maybe throw in a little bit more to get New York to do this or something because having next year's first round pick, regardless how good the Wolves are, that's a way to get back into next year's draft. Um, Knicks fans obviously are going to overvalue Mitchell Robinson. Every team has a certain level of bias. Um, But, yeah. So I think that's another interesting trade option that was brought up to me. And if I'm I'm the Wolves, I would 100% do that trade. If I am Golden State, I would probably 100% do that trade. And I'm probably 50-50 on New York doing it. But I think it's a framework of something that could work. Yeah, I, I think I'd be the most reluctant about uh, Golden State doing that one. Yeah. Just because uh, Mitchell Robinson, I believe, needs to be paid next year. Let me look it up. I think I think you're right on that. But, like, realistically... The they're already pretty expensive. What'd you say there? The Warriors are already pretty expensive, so yeah, getting they... someone like Mitchell Robinson... Right. Might be a costly move. So right now, Mitchell Robinson would have to be paid after the 2021-2022 season. He has a team option for $1.8 million, and then he's unrestricted. Yep. So with second-round picks, um, if you can either accept their team option and make them an unrestricted free agent or, or decline their team option and make them restricted. Right. So and he that could... be tricky too. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I agree, but... My thought with it is, I don't know what his market value would be in two years. Um, but if the Warriors get another championship out of it next year, m- maybe they're okay with that. Maybe they're fine yeah. with, you know, getting two years of Mitchell Robinson, p- potentially two championships, and then just kind of saying goodbye. And by that time, Draymond's getting older, Clay's getting older, Steph's getting older. I don't think they're going to move Steph and Clay by any means, but, you know, eventually something's going to happen with the Warriors. And uh, if they want to get into a championship level and get past um, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, whoever, the Celtics, whoever's there, they might have to take players now instead of hoping that a James Wiseman hits, you know? Um, so that's yep. kind of the thought with that one. Um, well, I think, do I think it'll happen? Probably not just because I the chances of you actually coming up with a potential trade that works without there being rumors of it is pretty slim to none. But um, yeah, definitely interesting. I think that it would it would be interesting for all three teams, and I don't think any team would 100% just say no right off the bat is kind of at the point I'm at. So yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, uh, going back to the draft, the cap implications of number one and how different it is for everything else. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about I, I that. I think I posted this on Twitter um, a while back 
or yeah, the, whenever the draft was or draft lottery was. But uh, the difference between number one and just his first year um, using last year's numbers because this year is going to be very up in there. Uh-huh. But uh, Zion makes nine million seven hundred and fifty-seven thousand four hundred and forty dollars in yep. his first year. Um, three, who is R.J. Barrett, makes seven million eight hundred and thirty-nine thousand nine hundred and sixty dollars in right. his first year, and uh, seven, Kobe White, yeah, makes uh, five thousand three hundred and seven thousand one hundred and twenty dollars in their first year, and. Just total, um, Zion's in 44 mil range, uh, Barrett's in 35 and a half mil range, and right. White's in 24 mil range, which is drastically different across the board. Yeah. yeah. Minnesota and... might be, uh, or with both the volatility of this draft, with how flawed at the top is, and um, the, like, how Minnesota might be a lux, like pushing the luxury tax in. Right. One might be a little bit tricky. So seven or three might be, it might have been a safer pick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at the, the 2020, 2021 rookie scale and first year salary um, is eight and a half million for pick number one. But they, uh, first round picks can, I think, sign for up to 120% of the rookie scale yeah. and as low as like 80% of the rookie scale. Um, yeah. So then pick seven would be, so say, or say eight, say pick eight, we trade it back to the Knicks, which is a four point, four point three. So, you know, you multiply that by 120% and then you're, you're just over $5 million. Yeah. And then number one pick would be, like you said, 10 or $11 million. That's almost half. And for a player, you maybe don't necessarily love at one. Like you said, like, is it worth trading back? And taking even a little bit less value just to have that extra $5 million to work with. It might be. Um, cap, implica- cap implications are really interesting. 17, I don't think, is a big deal. Um, it's like 2.6. And then yeah, that's... at 120%, you're at less than $3 million. Not a Not a huge contract by any means. That's not a ton more than like a like a minimum type guy. It's like twice the minimum. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because you're looking at potentially... 11 million dollars with one three million with 17 and then a million or whatever with your second round pick because we're going to get a good second round pick luckily you know it's early and it's not a first round pick to where we don't have to give them a guaranteed contract but you know they're still probably going to get a million or whatever you know typical second round pick uh contract value um mm-hmm. so you're potentially looking at 15 16 17 million dollars wrapped up in your first round picks this year or your your picks this year and the wolves don't have a lot of money we don't want to be in the repeater tax this year because then if we're in the repeater tax this year yeah the the tax penalty for being uh repeating one time not that bad but if but if we're trying to go for it in 2021 2022 and you just hit the repeater tax for the second time so you've been in the tax three years in a row the tax um penalties are astronomically high and chances are glenn taylor's not the owner then but most owners aren't going to pay for that unless you are a championship level team which i think in 2021 2022 the wolves championship level no uh playoff level yes but championship level i don't think i don't think you're there um so i think that it's going to be a big thing to find value this year and save you know pinch pennies and keep yourself under the uh the luxury tax so you don't have to pay that repeater tax in 2021, um, which will be important. Yeah. One nice thing, though, about the 10 mil being for, or 10 mil or so being for uh, the first overall pick is that now you can just pair with uh, James Watt, uh, I cannot talk, James Johnson, and, and you'll have about enough salary to match for a max contract. Right, and that's the point is like, do you take LaMelo Ball and pay him the 10 million and then trade him to match the salary rather than just taking the pick which doesn't put any salary with it um and i know there's ways to work around all that stuff too but it just makes it less complicated um but yeah the the salary thing is a big thing the timberwolves 
Um, I don't think we're in too bad a spot salary-wise. Sands, like James Johnson being on the team. Um, Yeah. Outside of that, I don't see any really bad contracts anymore. Um, When you look at it, like Cat and D'Lo, their contracts, they're... Maybe they're not quite worth it. Whatever you want to argue. They're they're the type of players that get max contracts. Deservedly yeah. get max contracts. Um, then you get Evan Turner's $18 million gone this year. Um, James Johnson will have his $16 million. Then outside of that, you're looking at Culver's the next highest paid player. $6 million. Uh, Layman's three. And then whatever you get Wancho and Malik for, those will be up there. Um, uh, they... You might have to slightly overpay Malik or whatever, um, depending on how he actually performs next year. Um, but Wancho's likely like a five, maybe six max um, million dollar player. I think if he's demanding seven, eight million dollars, I think the Timberwolves just let him walk. And then yeah. then you got rookie deals of Okogi, Evan, Spellman, Vanderbilt, Jalen Noel, Nas Reed, which are on good quality contracts. So I don't think we're in too bad, bad to shape. Um, we'll have We'll have, you know, MLE and stuff this year, too. And do we have the biannual exception this year, correct? Yep. Okay. So I don't think we're in too bad a spot outside of James Johnson's contract. Um, but in any J- James Johnson trade, you're likely taking back just as much salary. So getting that first round pick, you add that 10, 11 million, throw with 16, you're at, you're looking at 26, 27. And Devin Booker's contract is like, I think, $27 million. I think it would, I remember yeah, right. I think it'll match up. It would match up just about perfectly with Devin Booker or Ben Ben Simmons' contract is similar too. Um, let's see, Booker's yeah. contract is twenty seven point three million dollars, and Simmons' mm-hmm. contract. I mean, Simmons this year was still on his rookie deal, um, yeah. I believe. But next season, Simmons would be at twenty nine million dollars. So you pretty much got that made up too. You throw in Spellman or yeah. whatever, make the money work, or and you might be at the. You're at the 125 a, or whatever that it would probably work anyways. Yeah, his contract is projected. It's still the cap drops. His contract drops drops too, which is nice. Ben but, Simmons's um, does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I don't think Devin Booker's does, but Ben Simmons, yeah, uh, it does say that. So yeah, and I don't know. It's definitely interesting. There's definitely options um, with that pick, and like I wouldn't rule out us taking someone at one and then trading them once their res- the restrictions are gone and everything you know i don't think if we're drafting someone one we're necessarily married to that player i think rosas is going to view that as another asset to go out and make a move um which he he definitely will always be looking to do and you know there's questions about some of those top players so maybe you think it's better to wait a season, half a season. And if they perform, then you look at it and you go, okay, they're performing for us now. Do we sell high on them? Do we, or do we keep them because they're going to be good? You, know, you There's so many options with, with the draft and it's really interesting. And I think the Timberwolves are in a unprecedented and unique spot. I mean, you think about like, what's the last draft you wouldn't have wanted? I shouldn't say want, because we want to have number one pick, but what's the last draft that you weren't like super excited and you knew who you wanted at number one like 2013 with anthony bennett like he wasn't a solidified like number one guy but you think last year you would be taking zion if you had number one last year zion was obvious last year and then who was it, before that so it was it zion was... last year and then the year before it was um god i sound stupid that i don't remember um Am I really not going to remember this? Well, the year before that, it was Markel. So 2018 would have been... Um, it's going to be someone obvious. Yeah, it's... Oh, Aiton. Oh, yeah, Aiton. Okay, but then... Yeah, and Aiton's the number so, one guy to most people anyways. And you wouldn't be mad if you got yeah. Aiton. Yeah, you might be upset that you don't have Luca or Trey Young or whatever. But Aiton's not a bad player. Then the year before that, no. you got uh, Markel, which who was the number one guy. He just had some injuries. Um... Then the year before that, it was uh, Ben Simmons. Then it was Cat. Then it was Wiggins, who was the number one guy that season. Um, yeah, there, there were some pushback for um, Parker, but Wiggins was... And Joel Embiid, too, if he was healthy. People thought about you yeah. know getting Joel. 
Um, and then the year before that, it was Anthony. No, Bennett, Bennett was thirteen. Was Twelve was. Twelve was. Um, I remember who. T- Twelve was AD and eleven was Kyrie Irving. Yes. So most of those people you're happy with if you drafted them, you don't regret it. You know, the only one maybe is Anthony Bennett. You probably regret drafting Anthony Bennett, but you can't really say you regret getting Andrew Wiggins. I know the Wolves didn't draft him, but I mean, we traded for him after the draft. He hadn't played a game. So, like, this draft is weird because you, there's not really a time where it's like, oh, we don't really know who we would want at one, who is going to be the top prospect. Like, it, everybody's changing their minds on top prospect. So the Wolves are in a unique position, and Gerson Rosas is in a unique position. Um where he has a number one pick for the first time, and it's only his second year actually being the guy in charge. Um, but I think, like we said before, we trust Rosas. We trust what he's going to do with um, all of our assets, pretty much. Um, anything else you want to mention about any of this stuff? Um, not that I can think of, no. Yeah, and I don't know what else there is to say. We kind of covered you know, every scenario of trading back, trading for a star, and selecting someone so um yeah well i think that's all we got today then so thanks logan for coming on this was a lot of fun um definitely we'll have to have you back on again soon because basketball is going to be ramping up in a couple months here and we'll have more to talk about we'll definitely get into probably um some stuff you know when draft prospects are really like looking into things for especially after the playoffs when we can start talking about free agency and everything like that but um yeah thanks man for coming on Yeah, if that ever happens, right? Um, All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks, Logan, for coming on. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for having me. Yep. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.